Hi everybody, this is John Forrester with Out of Character. Today's episode's going to be pretty short, we don't have a lot of time left this month, but I did get a cool game that I wanted to talk about with the time we have left. The game that we're talking about today is from Fantasy Flight. It's called Hand of the King. It's a Game of Thrones-inspired game. For those who aren't familiar with it, it is a card game. I picked this up at Trowbridge Games, which is a local game store near me recently, and I was really surprised with it. I like the art style. I will say, if you look at the arts, like Ned Stark and Daenerys Targaryen and Tywin Lannister on the front, uh, they're kind of car- they're definitely very cartoony, and I like that art style. It was kind of a neat change from the more serious art box art you see on a lot of stuff with Game of Thrones. It almost looks like something from like a Steve Jackson game, like Shake Geek or um, Munchkin or something like that, but like they, with a lot more humanity, like that whimsical kind of fun, but not that that cartoony. In the game, you are attending a festival or like a, a basically a tournament for the king who currently is Robert Baratheon, and your goal is to become the Hand of the King. So how you're going to do that is basically by trying to spread your influence throughout the great houses of Westeros, who have all gathered to pay homage to Robert Baratheon, who, you know, the usurper king, as you would. Uh, So in doing this, what you're going to do is you have cards that represent the individuals who make up the great houses of Westeros. Um, So at this point, you have the Starks, the Lannisters, the Tyrells, the Tullys, the Baratheons, and the Greyjoys. All are present in this game. And the Targaryens. So, all are present here. Now, each of these houses... Oh, by the way, if you're a House Tully fan and you're tired of them never getting to do anything in any of the merchandise, they show up. There's not a lot of them, but they are here. So, I'm a House Tully fan. I like House Tully. I think they're cool. Anyway, basically, the way you're going to try to gain influence in this game is there's a card... For Varys, uh, Varys the Spider, who's, you know, the master of whisperers. So basically what you do is you're laying all these cards out in a six-by-six six grid so that everyone is present. The game starts with Varys kind of spread out, so it is randomly determined what kind of king's court you're working with. Each turn, a player who is going to move Varys in one direction. So basically Varys starts out in a certain position on the grid. You look at what cards are arrayed around him. He can only move up, down, left, or right. You can't move diagonally in this game. That's very important. So you're going to look at what characters are around you, what houses are represented around you. Now, the end goal of the game is to have the most houses supporting your claim to be the new Hand of the King. The game also comes with these really cool little house banners for each of the major houses. So basically, let's say, for this example, you move your character to the left, and you end up with... You move Varys to the left, and you ended up getting Eddard Stark and Rob Stark. So, if you look on each of the cards, there's the number of individuals who make up that house. House Stark has the most, then House Greyjoy, uh, House Lannisters. The, you know, basically, the bigger, more influential houses have more people, and the smaller, less influential houses have fewer people. It can be hard to get control of House Lannister just because there's so many of them. The same goes for House Stark. They tend to be handed around a lot. Whereas, say, like, House Tully, there's only two of them, so it's fairly easy to clear them off the board very quickly. So you move and you take the you take these two. You're going to look around at the other players and see if you have the most Starks. Kind of, you've managed to influence the Starks more so than anyone else. So you would take those cards to your play area. If you do indeed have the most Starks, then you claim the House Stark banner. And that's it. That's the main play dynamic. Now, when Varys is moving, as he's moving in that straight line, 
he can move the whole row, but you can only claim cards belonging to the house that you chose. So you have to declare at the beginning, I am moving to the left, and I am moving through House Stark. So you can only take those House Stark cards. If Balin Greyjoy is between Rob and Ned Stark, for example, you can't get him. He remains on the board, and you're leaving him there for the next player to potentially take. The movement is very simple. You're basically going to be scoring, trying to score houses very quickly. So early in game, as the board is full of these individuals, there's going to be a lot of rapid changing of hands. Like someone might, you know, score House Stark and lose them on the very next turn. So you have to be looking at what's on the board and be like, okay, I don't want to move this guy here and then leave myself open to losing the house I just got. So being aware of what's going on and who could potentially move in which direction and get which characters is really important. It's a very simple game, but there is a great kind of strategy to it because you have to be thinking a few turns ahead. So as I said, your main goal is, of course, to collect houses and gather influence. That's not the only way to win this game, though, because it is the Game of Thrones, so there has to be some kind of trick to it, right? Whenever you clear all the members of a house off the board, meaning they've all been claimed, like, for example, that's probably going to happen with House Tully or House Tyrell, because there's not that many of them on the board. You get to choose one of six companion cards that are going to be available to you. These are lesser characters. They're not usually members of great families, but some of them are. For example, you have Melisandre, uh, Ramsay Snow, Hodor, Loras Tyrell, Illyn Payne, and Braum. Oh, you also have Peter Baelish, so he shows up. I really like the art for Peter Baelish. He looks so, he's like plotting evilly. So all these characters do make appearances. Uh, you know, Brienne and Sandor Hickling and Khal Drogo are also present, for example. Sorry. So you have all these characters who make up the companion cards. Now, each of these cards has a wildly different ability. So let's say you just managed to get all the Starks, you're really happy, the next player comes in and clears off the last of the Tyrells. You're not concerned about that, you were never in a run for the Tyrell dominance, and that player had them from the get-go. And you're feeling pretty good about yourself. You've, you've got the Starks, you have them firmly in your hand, there's no other Starks on the board. They choose the companion, Illyn Payne, who can kill Eddard Stark in King's Landing or any play area. Now, if you were in a close race for the Starks, you know, a race where you came out just ahead, you just lost your Starks because now you're going to be tied with the other player because he because Eddard Stark is now dead. Some of the other characters are not as aggressive. Uh, you have Hodor, who you can take Bran Stark from King's Landing or any other player. So you can basically grab Bran from another player and take him. So if maybe someone got Bran early in game, you can be like, hey, I'm going to take the Starks back. Melisandre lets you take another turn immediately. So if you manage to clear someone, clear a house's pieces off the board, you can be like, I'm going to take another turn and get my jump on my next strategy. Uh, you do have Jon Snow. Jon Snow is fun because you can declare a house. Jon Snow counts as two character cards from that house. So you hold on to that card. So he can be a really powerful card. Like, he, you know, if the Tullys are kind of the deciding factor, you can, you can tie someone with the Tullys or you can break the game a little bit. As I said, it's not... The, the thing I really like about the... I like the art style... It's a licensed property game. It's from Fantasy Flight, and I love it because it's, A, it's really inexpensive, which I was shocked by because licensed property games are usually pretty expensive, and Fantasy Flight stuff usually runs for kind of a premium price. I bought this for $13, so it was a, it, in terms of cost, it was great. 
I kind of was just like, I was like, if it's 13, if it's not very good, who cares? But I really like the art. The design of the cards is great. I like that they chose to represent all, like, houses that don't get to do as much in the show. Characters who maybe, you know, we don't get to see so much of. But, you know, if you're a fan of the books or the show, then you do get to see some very familiar faces. I, I'm a fan of the design aspect, just as far as the art goes. Uh, Varys is kind of cool because he's so distinct. He's like got all this, he's purple and kind of just very, very bored and dull looking. He just doesn't want to deal with any of them with his little bald head. There are variants for the game. You can do team play. Uh, there, there are these four three eyed crow tokens that come with the game, which are also very well made. And, uh, what you can do with those is, as far as the variant play goes, you can make it so there's no table talk allowed. You can't discuss with the other players. You have to use a three eyed crow token and then you can discuss with the other players or your opponents. So, eh, I'm not crazy about that mechanic. I, I think that that's kind of, I'm not a fan of game, of not being able to talk to the other players, but it's an interesting idea. So I fully credit Fantasy Flight for coming up with an interesting idea to make the game feel a little more, like, insidious and secret. So yeah, you, you're basically trying to just claim all the houses. Each turn you are looking around to see kind of, like, who has what houses? Who, who can I, who can I catch up with? Um, House Tully only has two characters, for example, that are present. So depending on the layout of the board, they may be gone very, very quickly. They could stick around to the very end of the game. Someone may try to get rid of them just to be like, well, I got a, I got a very easy to get house and I got a companion card. Those companion cards are powerful. Later in game, when people are grabbing the last couple of houses, I found Gendry, by the way. He's, you know, apparently he's in this game. He's not just rowing around the friggin' continent anymore. Gendry counts as one Baratheon card. Yeah, so he's not, he's not amazing, but he does something. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, uh, it supports two to four players. So, you know, not a huge number of players, but if you are a Game of Thrones fan and you're looking for something to play, uh, you know, maybe like everyone's coming over to watch, uh, maybe you're looking for something to play, you know, while you're waiting for the show to start, get home, eat dinner and play this real quick. I, I couldn't see this game going much longer than 30 minutes just because the, the primary mechanism behind it is so quick to run through. Uh, it, it's, it's very, very fast. I, I like it. It has, it seems to have a lot of replay value because, you know, you, you do have this great, every game's a little different. Every setup's a little different. So no two games are going to be played out exactly the same way. You had a different companion card that came up or someone was in a different turn position. Again, I really enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun, and I think it's worth giving it a try. Again, for, you know, for Fantasy Flight to do something with this, it, it's kind of nice, because it really does appeal to people who are fans of that universe, but you don't want to invest in, like, the Game of Thrones board game that is a lot longer, or the Game of Thrones, the, um, the Game of Thrones card game, which is a more expensive and more involved strategy-wise. I love stuff like this that, like, I could sit down and play this with anyone who's watched Game of Thrones, and they would probably have fun being like, oh, it's Gendry, or oh, it's, uh, you know, Hodor, or it's Jon Snow, or whatever characters they like. I kind of have this temptation every time I play this game to try to get the characters and houses that I really like, and avoid the ones that I don't, which is not the best strategy, which is probably why I lose most of the time. Everything's very well put together. There's, you know, it's it's simple... But it's really well put together. There's a great sense of balance and fun to it. It's whimsical, but it's still, it still feels like grounded in that, in that George R. R. Martin, uh, Game of Thrones Westeros universe. So again, if you're interested in trying it out, it is 
widely available. Uh, I've seen, you know, pictures in most of the friendly local game stores. So give it a try. The only thing that bugs me as far as the art goes, for House Tully, for the picture of Hoster Tully, I can't tell if, like, his mouth was just put in the wrong place or there's, like, some kind of stuff in his beard. It just looks weird. That's my only complaint, which is, that that may just be me misinterpreting art and that, like, I just don't get it. But highly recommend it. Lots of fun. You know, so thanks everybody for listening. I'm sorry this week was a short episode. As I said, we just didn't have a lot of time left, so I had to do what I could do with the amount of time we had left for hosting and streaming. So thank you very much, and until next time, we are out of character. Bye!